Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. I'm Chase Brook with Brook Ranch in Pearl, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Hope you've had a great Thanksgiving Day weekend. We are ready to rock and roll with another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, winter wheat planting here in Texas is almost finished. We'll have more on the progress of winter wheat planting coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. In the Texas High Plains, it's important to do all we can to reduce the risk of wildfires. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about a strategy called patch burning. Technology for better nitrogen consistency in the soil for various cereal crops in Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on how this technology can help farmers straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. It's that time of the year in Texas when leaves are falling, and sometimes people tend to stress out about that. Please join me, John Begno, as we talk about leaf management from trees in Texas. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Most of the winter wheat crop in Texas is now in the ground. The latest crop progress and condition report shows 87% of the wheat has now been planted. Roger Davis grows wheat in the northern Texas panhandle. We are currently very dry right now. We've got a lot of dry land wheat. As of late, probably the last three weeks, a lot of this dry land has been dusted in, just waiting on some moisture there. The irrigated wheat that we were able to control the water situation on, it all looks pretty good. It's all coming up and got good stands on that. But it is costing a lot of money to get this wheat crop in this year. Fertilizers came down a little bit, but these input costs are still high. Fuel is extremely high, and these tractors and combines, they're not what you'd call economically efficient. The latest wheat crop ratings here in Texas look fairly good. We have 45% of the wheat crop rated good to excellent, 25% rated fair, and 20% rated poor to very poor. Texas A&M is doing research on coronavirus in cattle. 
Researchers from Texas A&M University's Veterinary Education Research and Outreach Program have joined an international team studying coronaviruses in cattle to better learn how the viruses are spread and whether an individual's microbiome might impact transmission. Coronaviruses are a family of viruses that can cause a variety of diseases in many species, from the common cold and SARS in people to diarrhea in calves and respiratory disease in adult cattle. According to VERO, researchers will use cattle as a model for viral transmission during commingling events. Researchers will work to understand why some people and animals get infected and or develop symptoms and others do not. At VERO, researchers will collect samples from beef and dairy cattle to track how bovine coronavirus, which is not able to infect humans, spreads between animals. They'll look at how the virus spreads depending on factors like how many cattle are housed together, and if they're moved to new locations via livestock trailers. They'll also measure cattle immune systems and microbiomes to understand if differences have an impact on whether or not they become infected. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. USDA has announced the appointment of six members to serve on the United Sorghum Checkoff Program's Board of Directors. Five of those will serve three-year terms, and one member will serve a two-year term. Two of those six nominees are from right here in Texas, Brian Adamek of Victoria and Scott Earlbeck of Lubbock. Wildfires are a big threat to rangelands across Texas. James Hunt tells us it's important to do all we can to reduce the risk of starting a fire. As we all know, disastrous wildfires are an all-too-common occurrence in the Texas High Plains, Patch burning is a strategy ranchers might want to consider to help lower the risk of wildfires. Dr. Laura Goodman is an Oklahoma State University range specialist. She spoke about patch burning at the recent Texas A&M AgriLife wildfire meeting in Pampa. Patch burning is simply just the technique that you use to do a prescribed fire. So instead of burning an entire pasture, you divide the pasture into burn units and then you'll burn just part of that pasture at any given time. So one year you might burn one patch, the next year you'd burn another patch. And what this allows us to do is that the cattle are going to focus their grazing in the area that we just burned because of all of the flush of regrowth. So as our perennial grasses regrow, they're really, really digestible. Cattle really want to eat them. And so it focuses their grazing use there. And so then as we move to the next area and burn it, we can move those cattle around and we don't have to have any additional fencing. We want to try to minimize our fencing in these pastures, mainly for our wildlife species. We don't want to have a ton of fencing. And so this is an approach that provides that movement of the cattle naturally because they're attracted to these burned areas. More from Dr. Laura Goodman in our next report, but as a calendar note, she is talking about patch burning at the Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show during an AgriLife program on grassland management on Wednesday afternoon. More about that program and other farm and ranch show activities can be found online by searching with the words Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show 2023. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Companies are developing technology to improve soil fertilization for farmers here in Texas and around the world. Tom Nicoletti visits with one of those companies. My guest today is Randy Minton. He is a head of commercial sustainability 
with Pivot Bio. And Randy, talk about uh, what you folks are doing uh, in the way of helping uh, corn, grain sorghum, and wheat farmers and others in Texas and around the country with your technology. Pivot Bio has developed a technology that delivers a better form of nitrogen to crops like corn, grain, sorghum, wheat. That technology is a microbial that fixes atmospheric nitrogen and delivers it to the roots of uh, cereal crops. The benefit in this source of nitrogen is it's much more reliable than synthetic. We know today that we lose about 40 to 60% of our synthetic nitrogen in, in crop production. We use Pivot Bio and 100% of the nitrogen that's produced by our microbes is taken up by the crop and utilized in, in the production of our grains and really productive and effective method of delivering nitrogen. For farmers, when is the best time to apply this to their fields? Uh, we apply our microbes at planting time. That can either be through a planter system, liquid in furrow product, or we also have a seed treatment called OnSeed OS. Uh, that can be uh, applied to the seed prior to planting. That's a second method of delivery for that technology. The results from uh, what uh, you have seen in the field have been positive? We've had incredible success over the past three years with our product. We go out in the summer and actually measure the nitrogen in the crop, check biomass, check nitrogen levels, and we've demonstrated that we have as much as 13% more nitrogen in the crop as a result of using Pivot Bio. That is Randy Minton with Pivot Bio. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Leaves are falling all across Texas. Horticulturalist John Begno has some leaf management tips from San Angelo. Well, if you're like me and you see these leaves falling, you sometimes wonder, what am I going to do? Am I going to get some of them now? Am I going to wait till they all fall? How am I going to manage these leaves? Where am I going to go? And everybody's situation is different. If you're urban, of course, it's more challenging than if you're out in the country living out on a farm or a ranch. You know, years ago, Texas a University did a don't bag it campaign where they encouraged people not to rake the leaves and put them in plastic bags and put them out on the curb and get them sent to the landfills. And they did a great job in reducing the amount of waste going to landfill. During that period, it really educated people on how valuable these leaves are and what they provide. If you think about the forest situation, leaves and timber that falls down on the ground actually provides nutrients as it decays for the trees the next year and for years to come to be survivalist and, and to grow. And sometimes in the cases of oaks and pecans to produce fruit to feed wildlife and so on. Well, we take those trees, we put them in a, an environment as a landscape situation, and they can be a nuisance. We get the question a lot of times, are leaves hazardous to other plants or to soil? That's a rare case. Black walnut leaves can be, but we don't have that many in Texas. We see that leaves that are very uh, high in lignin are rigorously tough, like live oak leaves things like that that don't break down, they can be a nuisance. Pine needles, well, they're a nuisance, but they can also be mulch in flower beds, and they are used that way. So it's all about repurposing leaves if you can. If you can compost them, if you have that ability, if you have that space, then that is very valuable garden material because it brings nitrogen, it brings organic matter, your vegetables and your flowers will perform so much better. So if you can do that, then that's probably your first choice. 
And if it's not very thick mass of it on the surface of your lawn, you can grind those up. Run them over with a mulching lawnmower, provide that nutrient back to the soil. That's a very good method of disposing. And the last thing is piling them up and let them just decay on their own. Try to avoid burning them or burying them in the landfill. This is John Begno reporting for Texas Ag Today from San Angelo. 300,000 rainbow trout are being stocked in water bodies across Texas. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And corticosteroids are commonly injected into equine joints. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Corticosteroids are commonly injected into equine joints, but Dr. Bob Judd says there are some potential side effects from this practice. One study published in Equine Vet Journal indicated that most equine practitioners believe corticosteroids likely can induce laminitis. Laminitis is a debilitating and sometimes life-threatening disease that has been linked to an increased level of insulin in the horse's blood. Horses with an underlying hormonal problem like Cushing's disease or equine metabolic syndrome may be more likely to develop laminitis following a corticosteroid injection. To determine this risk, 10 adult horses were enrolled in a study with no prior history of insulin dysregulation or laminitis. Blood samples were taken before and after the injection of corticosteroids. The middle carpal joint in the horse's knees were injected with 18 milligrams of triamcinolone, which is a common corticosteroid used in equine joints. Blood samples for insulin and glucose were checked up to five days after the injections. Results indicated the serum insulin concentrations were significantly increased up to 48 hours after injections, and 70% of the horses had high insulin levels within the five-day period. The glucose levels were elevated in all study horses. The results of this study indicate that insulin and glucose levels can be increased after an injection of a corticosteroid into a joint in normal horses. Although none of the horses Develop laminitis, it is possible that horses with insulin dysregulation due to Cushing's disease or equine metabolic syndrome could develop laminitis just from an injection of a corticosteroid into a joint. This is being studied, but if you have a horse that has Cushing's disease or an overweight horse due to equine metabolic syndrome, caution should be used before injecting these joints with a corticosteroid. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. 300,000 rainbow trout are being stocked in water bodies across Texas. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. 
Starting this week and running through March, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department will stock more than 300,000 rainbow trout in water bodies across Texas. The department does this each year to provide additional fishing opportunities for Texans. Rainbow trout are unable to survive in most areas of Texas after the winter due to warmer water temperatures, so TPWD is encouraging anglers to keep their daily bag limit of five rainbow trout. There are exceptions for the bag limit within special trout management zones on the Guadalupe River downstream of Canyon Lake. TPWD says that area often remains cool enough for the rainbow trout to survive year-round. That portion of the Guadalupe River is recognized as one of the top trout streams in the United States, and it is considered the southernmost trout stream in North America. If you are hoping to catch a rainbow trout, TPWD will stock the following areas. The Guadalupe River downstream of Canyon Lake, the Brazos River downstream of Possum Kingdom Lake, portions of the Frio and South Lana Rivers, and the Clear Fork of the Trinity River. They'll also stock neighborhood fishing lakes during the winter. Those lakes offer amenities so anglers of all ages can enjoy a day fishing and connecting with nature. There are 18 neighborhood fishing lakes in Texas. They're in Amarillo, Austin, the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, Houston, San Angelo, San Antonio, and Wichita Falls. Additional details are available on the TPWD website. It doesn't take sophisticated fishing equipment to catch a rainbow trout. You can use simple light tackle or hand-tied flies on a fly rod. TPWD says anglers should keep an array of baits and lures and ice nearby to keep trout fresh. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to check the markets. We'll look back at all the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We had a thin holiday trade in our agricultural markets on Friday, but boy, we really took the bottom out of the cattle futures market once again. Both live and feeder cattle taking a deep dive lower. December live cattle dropped 422 on Friday, closing at 170.25. February down 430. 170.97. January feeder cattle getting hit really hard, down 780, closing at 219.32, with March feeders down 740, 222.72. Cash fed cattle market over the last week saw cattle sell here in Texas and the Southern Plains at 177. That is a buck lower compared to the previous week. In the Northern Plains, they saw live sales at 177, dressed sales around 280. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Rodney Butler, Beeville Livestock, sells cattle every Friday. 
Rodney, how was this last Friday's sale? We had a good sale Friday. We had some good cattle. Uh, light calves might have been a little softer, but your heavy calves sure sold good. Dollared out pretty good, sir. Walk the pins with me, Rodney. All right, we had an even 300 head. We didn't have any horses, and we had nine goats. Like I said, that old market was active, just steadied active. Your 200, 300 pound steers were 250 to 303. Heifers, $2 to 275. 300, 400 pound steers were 251 to 320. Heifers, 224 to 270. 400 to 500 pound steers were 252 to 315. Heifers, 215 to 250. 500 to 600 pound steers were 214 to 260. Heifers 192 to 227. 600 to 700 pound steers were 202 to 235. Heifers 164 to 213. And your 700 to 800 pound steers were 185 to two dollars. And your heifers were 163 to 178. Packer cows were steady. They brought anywhere from 57 to 98. Bulls brought from 66 to $1.23. Stocker cows were anywhere from 71 to $1.22 with some bread cows dollaring out around that 12 and a quarter. And our pears we had Friday brought from 775 on some Corrientes and 1400 on your best cows. Pears, excuse me. Good. And uh, go ahead. Anything else? That's all. When we will be closed uh, this next Friday, November the 24th. Wish everybody a safe and blessed Thanksgiving. And we'll be back the following week for three more sales in December. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Rodney Butler. Yeah, if I can help you market your cattle, call me at 360. 360- 631-358-1727 or reach me on my mobile 645-5002. Rodney, thanks for the call. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. And neighbor, goodbye to you until tomorrow. We'll have another walk in the pens here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with another fine livestock auction operator. Until then, listen to us right here each day on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now. Raleen Hogs finished lower on Friday. December Hogs down 70 cents, 67.57. February hogs down 305 at 6877. Class 3 milk did not trade on Friday. Looking back at Wednesday, the last trading day we had over the past week, the December contract closed out at 163500 with January milk at 164400 weight. Cotton market finished higher. We did have the USDA export sales report released Friday morning. It saw net sales at 322,000 bales, off just a tad from last week. However, shipments just under 78,000 bales. That is the low for the marketing year so far. December cotton up 81 points, 80.39. March cotton up 9 at 80.99. May cotton up 24, 81.69. Grain markets finishing lower on Friday. December corn dropped five and a half, 463 and a quarter. With March corn down five and a quarter, 482 and a half. Same thing in the wheat complex. Both hard and soft wheat dropping on Friday. December Kansas City wheat down 12 and a half at 602 a bushel. December Chicago wheat down seven, 548 and three quarters. In the energy markets, December natural gas was down three cents, 286. January West Texas crude down $1.92 at 7518 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Friday afternoon. The Dow up 117 points, 35,390. The Nasdaq down 15 at 14,250, with the S&P up to 4,559. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A. Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. 
be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.